As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. WXDX FM Pittsburgh. You know what's funny? This is the first time I'm not calling for Malkin to be traded when the Malkin might get traded talk has come up. There have been times I thought it was a good idea and it wasn't because the first time I thought that they regrouped and won two cups. Maybe they'll do it again. But this ain't me. It's the Penguins. Anyway, back to the uh, predetermined bit already in progress. Let me go over the stats one more time. Evgeny Malkin was a team-worst minus 25. Evgeny Malkin led the Penguins in turnovers with 84. Evgeny Malkin led the Penguins in penalty minutes with 89. Evgeny Malkin scored 12 goals, his second lowest total ever in a non-lockout year. Evgeny Malkin scored just 12 goals at even strength that's four fewer than Brian Rust. In terms of puck possession, Evgeny Malkin was only 0.27% better than the team's average. In terms of scoring chances, Evgeny Malkin was only 0.01% better than the team average. So forget about the notion of trading Evgeny Malkin. Let's shove that off to the side for a moment. Just look at his season in 1819. Too many of you think he had a good season because he averaged a point per game. Averaging a point per game in this case, that's just camouflage. Gino had a bad season by any standard, let alone his lofty standard. So, if you think Evgeny Malkin had anything besides a bad year in 2018-19, guess what? You just made the list! The list brought to you by Matt Burke's Plumbing, Kant on a name you can trust. You know, this all started when when uh, Jim Rutherford told Yoey at The Athletic, when Josh asked him point blank if Malkin is still part of the term's long-term plans, Jim Rutherford said, I can't answer that right now. So that's not me making something up. That's not me wishing Gino gets traded. That's Jim Rutherford saying, just about saying it's a possibility, and it is a possibility. And, you know, when you're old, like I am now, probably the only advantage to being old is that you just don't give a crap what other people think, and I don't. And you know what's good about being old and having already seen the team you've supported since you were a very young boy win five championships, like the Penguins had the five Stanley Cups? If they don't win again, that's okay. They've done their part as far as our old double M's concerned. Five cups is five more 
than I ever thought the Penguins would get when they blew that three games to none lead uh, to the Islanders in the 1975 Stanley Cup quarterfinals. You'd always like one more, but if I don't get it, I won't be upset. If Gino gets traded, I won't be upset. I really like Chris Letang, and I consider him, I, I always hate to say friend because I don't know what he considers me. I, I hate to, you know, put those thoughts, you know, in other people's minds, but I, I like Tanger, and I've gotten along great with him. Uh, I'd be sad to see him go, but if he does, that's just the way hockey is. Sid's never going to go. I'd be sad to see him go if he ever did, but, but uh, y- you know, they've done their part, both the team and the players I've just mentioned, including Evgeny Malkin. So for you people to be such marks, and marks is wrestling sang for suckers, okay, to be such marks and and just hold such venom, uh, express such venom rather, because a guy you like might get traded, boy, that is just childish and creepy. Just unbelievably childish and creepy. Uh, you should support the team and not the individual. The team gives you a chance to be part of something bigger. If you're if you're an Evgeny Malkin fan and you wear that seventy one jersey and like like uh, like jerk off what's his name said in Twitter you'll never root for the Penguins again if he gets traded. Gino's just not your favorite player. He's your imaginary friend, and if you have Evgeny Malkin as an imaginary friend, I think it's time to lie down and talk to the nice man who's holding a notebook. Some use a tape recorder. Not that I would know anything about that. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We're going to talk draft with Dale Lawley of DK Pittsburgh Sports at the bottom of the hour. So if you want to get your uh, calls in about Gino potentially being traded, now's the time to do it. But again, and I say for like the billionth time, I don't think Gino will get traded. I think that he'll invoke his no movement cause. I think he has no desire to go. And I think Rutherford won't get in return what he envisions for Malkin at 33 coming off really a career-worst season. Let's go to Jason in the car. Jason, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. What's going on? What up, man? Hey, you know, I would hate for the Penguins to trade Malkin now for two reasons. Like, one, you know, his value is at an all-time low, and I don't think you get nearly the return that you would deserve. You wouldn't get anywhere close to equal value for him. But also... And don't don't forget... What I've always said, and I can't think of almost any occasion where it wasn't true except for the Flyers lost the deal when they traded Lindros, but almost every other time, whatever team gives up the best player in a deal loses the deal. I, I agree. Now, now let me put a disclaimer. It depends how good you think Malkin still is and can be. Well, that I don't know, but I think he's good enough where he has the, earned the right to see if he can bounce back next year. The other other reason is I would hate for part of the reason they would trade him if there's some kind of rift between him and Sullivan because I, I would hate to trade Malkin and then the Penguins come out disappointing next year and then half the season. Or well, Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If they don't make uh, some significant changes this offseason and basically stand pat, like let's say the only trade they make is Mana, okay? Okay. They'll miss the playoffs next year. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all. If the if the season was ninety games instead of eighty two this year, I think they'd have missed the playoffs this year. Quite possibly, and you know I would just hate to trade Malkin because him and Sullivan weren't getting along, and then a year later Sullivan's not here. 
Well, you know, Sullivan may be the guy who pays the price for this sooner, not later, and it won't be deserved, but that's how uh, coaching in the NHL works, particularly if you coach the Penguins, although I always thought Shiro held on to Bilesma a year or two too long. Uh, here's a couple great tweets. Mary tweets, Hey, you can't be a fan of an athlete that's creepy. Be a fan of washed-up hair metal rockers and steroid wrestlers instead because that's not creepy. Well, I worked in wrestling. Okay, and it paid for my house. That's not being a fan. That's being a veteran of the industry. And as far as music, you know what the main difference is between music and sports? Nobody wins and loses in music. It's an art form. And Francis tweets, you want to keep the GM around for sentimental reasons, so take your own advice and don't complain when the team falls off a cliff. It's already begun. In fact, I'm not keeping the GM for sentimental reasons. I'm keeping the GM because he won two cups in four years. See, here's the thing. I'm going to be real blunt here. Gino stinks. This past year, he stunk. He was brutal. He was a liability almost every night. The team was literally better off when he was hurt. He was a liability. He stunk. But you can never admit that about your hero, so you're blaming the GM who won two cups in four years. Jim's won two cups in four years in Pittsburgh, Geno's won three in, I think, 12. So Jim got a better batting average. Let's go to uh, John in Monroeville. John, you're all with the super genius. Okay, John hung up. Let's go to Seth in Armour. Seth, you're on with Double M. Good day, sir. I said good day. Hey, you know, you mentioned the, the creepy thing with fans getting attached to players. I mean, everybody forgets that it's a business first and a sport second nowadays, but do you think that that's more of like people hanging on to the player and getting upset at you and whoever else when a guy gets traded? Do you think that's just a Pittsburgh thing? More no, so no, it, it, it's, it's everywhere. But, uh, but what I don't like about Pittsburgh sports fans, actually I like almost nothing about Pittsburgh sports fans, and if that's counterproductive to my show, well, it's been a great 22-year run. But what I don't like about Pittsburgh sports fans is they won't look at everybody uh, equitably, okay? Like, every time the Penguins lose a playoff series, oh, my God, they need to trade everybody, bench everybody, shoot everybody, and fire everybody. But the Pirates are always the little engine that could, even though they're robbing the city blind. Okay, uh, Latang had a much better season than Malkin, had a bad playoff. Malkin had a bad playoff and a horrible regular season, but whenever I criticize Malkin as well, what about your boy Latang? Because Tanger and I sleep together. Okay, that's always implied that it's a it's a gay thing, and it is. Look at my Twitter timeline if you don't believe me. Okay, I think Tanger could do better than me if he were gay, and I think I could do. No, I couldn't if I were. But 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 at any rate, you, you, you see what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. like it, it's just it, it's like America today because America sucks ass right now. Okay, every opinion by everybody in America, isn't based on right or wrong or fact or fiction. It's based on who they liked or didn't like in the first place. And once you know who you like and don't like, you twist the facts to fit your narrative. And that's why America blows. Well, then it's not even a like a season-to-season thing, it seems. It's like a day-to-day thing, like the Steelers win oh, bro, one week t- and then me, the next me, day. Let me tell you something. No, it's not a day-to-day thing with the Geno. Uh, deal. There are people out there that wear that 71 jersey to bed at night with no pants and think he's their imaginary friend. It's that deep and it's that dumb. Thank you for the call.
Okay, we got Dave on hold. We'll get to him in a minute. We have Dale Lawley talking Steelers at the bottom of the hour. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. It's a rare chance for you to have a brush with greatness. Make the most of it. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Say, here's another great name from the past. The X at 105.9. All these tweets are coming in. Ian actually makes some sense. It's okay to be a fan of a player, and it's okay to be upset when they are traded, but the team and its well-being comes first. Real Pens fans survive trading the best player in the world for Chris Beach and Ross Lupichuk. Let's not forget Michael Civic, who also came over from the Capitals in the uh, Yager trade. Uh, Latang's overrated. The team did better without him in the lineup. Let the anger begin in reply. Uh, they won the cup without Latang at 17. In March of this year, when Latang and Malkin were both hurt, Latang and Malkin both hurt. Not just Latang, the team actually did better without him in the lineup, but Latang and Malkin. That's because systematically they tightened up. And when those two guys came back, all that tightness abandoned ship. I love when the people try to. Try to hurt me. Rob says, what's real creepy is you think Latang is your friend. He is not. Sid is not. Uh, I just went out of my way uh, moments ago to say that I couldn't speak for me being anybody's friend because I don't know what they think of me. I don't. I have suspicions about certain guys, but uh, I would never be so presumptuous. I consider Tangler a friend. I consider Sid a friend. I don't know what they think I am. And honestly, it doesn't matter that much to me. I have a good working relationship with both, and honestly, in my life, that's what counts the most. But I do think the world of both of them. Gino, I have no relationship with. I just don't. I never have that. Not a bad one, not a good one. I just don't have one. Let's go to Dave and Shadyside. Dave, you're on with Double M. Hey, Super Genius, big fan. Thank you very little. I just have a quick point here. You know, I see everything GMJR is doing. I trust him way more than these other jabronis on Twitter. With the ever possibility of Malkin being moved by October and the season next year, do you think whenever he goes to another team, do you think Pittsburgh would still possibly retire his jersey? Oh, uh, bro, who cares? Who cares about that? Crosby and Latang? Who cares about that? Goodbye. The guy's not traded, probably won't be traded, and we want to debate whether he's going to have his number retired. Why do you guys all care so much about that? What number gets retired, all that stuff? Stuff like that doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter at all. Halls of fame don't matter at all. Rings of honor don't matter at all. Halls of honor don't matter at all. You think they do, but they don't. Here's the example I like to use. The oldest sports venture, competition in the world, is the FA Cup, the soccer tournament in England which, you know, has all the teams in the country in a single elimination tournament that lasts all year. And the, the high-level pro teams don't get involved until, like, they call it the third round, but it's really like the eighth round because they have five preliminary rounds. Okay? English soccer is ground zero for competitive sports in the world. Team sports. They don't have a Hall of Fame. You know why they don't have a Hall of Fame? Because they know who won and they know who was good. They don't need it to be artificially uh, reclassified, which is all Halls of Fame are, all Rings of Honor are, 
All retired numbers are. It's a way to subjectively reclassify what's already objectively been compiled. And that's the name of that tune. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Now I hope they do trade Geno just so members of Geno Nation drop over dead and we'll see if they'll never support the team again. Never go to a game again. Never give the Penguins a dollar of my money again. You know, you know what that's like? That's like all you people who say, I'm not listening to him again. But you listen, you know you do. There's this one guy, and I'd love to drive him away from listening because he's a real jag-off. This guy, Bruno. Bruno Garrett, I think he goes by on Twitter. Real jag-off. I've given him publicity now, but that's because I have an end game to this. By the way, uh, uh, Iron Man dies. Uh, this guy always says, I'm never going to listen to you again, but he constantly listens because he comments everything I say. So, hey, Bruno, Garrett, bitch, don't listen. Don't listen. I don't want you to listen. Don't listen, bitch. But he will because I have charisma. I'm the number one guy to ever do this in town. I am the game. But Dale Ollie's pretty good, too. He's up next. Going to talk Steelers draft with Dale Ollie. We think he's with DKPittsburghSports.com. That's just around the corner, 105.9. X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. That happens when the show's as popular as this one. Yeah, double M, man. He'd love the show. He just wants to dance. PX at 105.9. Joining me now to talk Steeler Draft, we welcome from DKPittsburghSports.com, Steelers beat reporter Dale Ollie. Dale, with the addition of Devin Bush, what's the depth chart going to be like an inside backer? Who plays and how much and in what role? Well, I have to believe, Mark, and thanks for having me on, by the way. Uh, I have to believe that when you move up, when you trade what you gave up in that in the draft and you move up to the number 10 spot in the draft, I'll be surprised, very surprised, if Devin Bush isn't the starter there uh, when they open the season against the New England Patriots. Uh, they haven't had a, a top 10 defensive draft pick since Rod Woodson in 1987. Uh, that's been a while. Uh, so, I mean, they, they used a lot of draft capital to go get him a second and a third round pick. I have to believe that, that, that if he's not the starter, it's a disappointment. Uh, what about the other guys? How's that shake, Don? Is Vince Williams still going to start? Is Barron going to jump in there? They already got Bostic. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I believe right now as, as we sit here, it, it's probably Vince Williams starting beside him because I haven't seen Mark Barron yet. Um, none of us have. I mean, the last time we saw him, he was in the Super Bowl. Uh, but he is much more like Devin Bush than he is Vince Williams. Uh, if you have Devin Bush and Mark Barron in there, you're going to be a little light against the run. So I think that, you know, I, I think it's going to be uh, Vince Williams. And Vince Williams has, has played fine for the Steelers. There's nothing wrong there. Uh, you know, but I, yeah, they don't play much base defense anymore. It's about 25% of the time. So, and especially when you're going to be playing the Patriots, you're probably not going to be in the base a ton. So I, I got to believe Devin Bush plays a lot of snaps this year and probably ends up playing the most snaps of any of their inside linebackers. And the linebacker position in the NFL is really changing, isn't it? Uh, everybody's got to be quick and not necessarily big because, like Kevin Colbert said on this show uh, yesterday, it's really a 20-yard field. It really is, and, and, and you have to have guys that can cover that 20 yards very quickly. Uh, that's what they were missing last year. Um, you know, there's there's some a theory out there that if you're slow at inside linebacker or middle linebacker, 
you have a slow defense, regardless of what everybody else can do on the field. I don't care if you have four four guys all over your secondary. If you're slow at that inside linebacker position, you don't have a guy that can run sideline to sideline, you've got a slow defense. Uh, the Steelers gave up a lot to trade up to get Bush. Was it too much, or uh, are you comfortable with what they surrendered? Well, <clears throat> I thought, it, you know, had it been a second-round pick this year and a third-round pick this year, I definitely would say they gave up too much. Given that it's a third-round pick next year, uh, that, that kind of lessens the, 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 the blow to me a little bit. That, that dilutes uh, things, doesn't it? Right. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, I was on record saying I, wasn't, I wouldn't be interested in trading that second-round pick. At all. I mean, we all looked at the chart and saw what it was going to take to get up to, say, 10, which was the sweet spot that everybody was looking at. And I kept seeing, okay, it's going to cost a second and a third and possibly a fifth as well. And I'm thinking, well, geez, that's too much. I'm not giving up that second and third. Well, if you're able to push that third into next year when you're also going to get a compensatory pick for Le'Veon Bell, that lessens the blow a little bit. And you've got a very good football player. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he went 10th overall, but I bet you he was much higher than that on the Steelers board because they didn't have, you know, a guy like Daniel Jones ranked in their top 10. I guarantee you that. So, you know, it's Clellan Farrell that went fourth to Oakland, probably was not in their top 10 uh, because he doesn't fit in this defense. Uh, he's probably, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, somewhere like that in, in terms of overall ranking. Uh, so they got a, a really a top 10 defensive player which is something they rarely get. He really doesn't have a weakness, does he? Uh, Devin Bush seems to check all the boxes, and Tomlin is notorious for not talking rookies up, but he pretty much annoyed him in every down linebacker not long after <laughs> selecting him. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, you'd probably like him to be 6'1". Uh, that's probably about the only thing that you look at and say, boy, I wish he was just a little bit taller. But then again, if he were a little bit taller, they probably don't get a chance to draft him. It's that catch-22 uh, but, yeah, he's a fantastic football player. If you watch him, he's a leader. He's a, he's a good communicator. Uh, Matt Williamson and I got him on the air, uh, you know, the day after he was drafted. He sat down with us. We, we had a little interview with him. And, you know, the, the kid really gets it. He, and he's 20 years old, Mark. He doesn't turn 21 until until about a week before they head to training camp. I can't even imagine, uh, you know, just the, having all that pressure on you. And he seems to handle it just fine. We're talking to Dale Ollie of DKPittsburghSports.com here on the X. Uh, what opportunity is there for Deontay Johnson? Because it seems like the depth chart at receiver is pretty much up for grabs beyond Juju. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I like Deontay Johnson coming out. Um, I, I watched a lot of his film, and, and you know, I, I just wasn't sure where to slot him in with all the other receivers in this draft. It was, it was, was There was no... Julio Jones in this draft that you looked at and said, wow, that's the number one, you know, that's the number one receiver. But there were a bunch of those guys that, you know, were second to third round guys. And you looked at me, it's just going to be beauty. He's going to be in the eye of the beholder with this. Um, but if you, you know, they feel he can play inside and out and we'll see, you know, if he's capable of doing that. Uh, but at the very least, I think he ends up being, uh, he, he's bigger than Ryan Switzer. He's bigger than Eli Rogers. At the very least, he, he you know, I think he, he plays a lot in the slot. And he's going to be the return guy. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They need to get better there. So I think he's going to see a lot of playing time as well. The Steelers really take guys who aren't from a Power 5 conference. What made them make that exception with Johnson, especially in the third round? Well, they've, they've tapped into the MAC five straight years now in their drafts. Um, and they got three guys out of the MAC this year. 
So they have not been afraid to take guys out of that particular conference. Um, and I think if you, if you like the player, it doesn't matter where you get him. And, and I asked Mike Tomlin that question, uh, you know, after the draft and, and Kevin Colbert as well. I said, do you want, how much tape do you watch when these guys play those big power five schools? And they said a lot. And, and, and Tomlin ticked off a bunch of stats that these guys had put up in, in games against, you know, the power five teams. If you look at Deontay Johnson, he had a six catch game against Miami of Florida, six catches for 92 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, I don't care who you are. It, that That's production against a top-notch program. And it was the same thing if you looked at uh, Sutton Smith and Ulysses Grant as well. They both produced when they played those big schools. So I think that kind of allays some of the fears. And, and, and we've seen the MAC produce good players year in and year out. I mean, that's where Ben Roethlisberger played. That's where Antonio Brown played, if we're still allowed to talk about him. And that's where James Harrison played, if we're still allowed to talk about him. I mean, they've, they've had good luck getting good players out of that conference. How will the secondary shake down? Because that Lane kid from Michigan State is 6'2". He's a pure outside guy. He's kind of a project having moved over from wide receiver just this past season. So he's not going to beat out Mike Hilton. He strikes me as a long-term guy. So does the secondary pretty much just stay the same? Uh, for the most part, but I expect I expect Cameron Sutton to push Mike Hilton hard for that slot spot. Um, I think Sutton's kind of been, um, you know, last year at this time they were talking about playing him at safety, and, and we even saw him do some of that in, in OTAs and minicamp. Well, I think this year they're going to look at him and say, hey, we want you to win that, you know, or at least give you a shot at winning that slot corner job because they felt like uh, Mike Hilton got picked on a little bit late last year. Uh, as much as I like Mike Hilton and, and, and he's a feisty player and he, he gives you everything that he's got, he's, he's still at the end of the day going to be 5'9 and 175 pounds. Can't do anything about that. Uh, but you can get a bigger guy in there and, and Sutton is a bigger guy. Uh, you know, so I think that that will be the, uh, you know, the, one of the, the big battles, uh, throughout this offseason to see who wins that, you know, inside job. In terms of Lane, um, he has he's actually played cornerback since midway through his freshman year. Uh, they moved him over from wide receiver as a, as a freshman midway through the season, and he wound up starting five games that year, late late in the year, after moving over midway through the season. So he didn't seem out of place when they, when they did that. So it tells me that he's really competitive, and he's, he's a big corner. He's got great physical attributes. Um, I think this is more of a pick for down the road when, you know, you, you've got – uh, Joe Hayden there, but Joe Hayden's now 30. Uh, he's going into the last year of his contract. And Joe Hayden, the reason Cleveland cut him was because he couldn't stay healthy in Cleveland. So there's always that, you know, inkling in the back of your mind, like what happens if Joe Hayden uh, gets hurt this year? And really this is a replacement for Artie Burns. I mean, I, I just don't know how Artie Burns makes this team this year unless he comes out and, and really sets the world on fire. Uh, I like the Snell kid, the running back from Kentucky. He seems like a prototypical Steeler running back, Dale. And I think he gives the Steelers a nice trio. I think it enables the offensive game plan to specialize duties, and, and that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think, you know, by midseason, if we get to the to the to uh, to their bye week and Snell isn't their number two running back, I'll kind of be a little bit surprised. Uh, because if you look what he did at what he did at, at Kentucky – um, he put up good yards every week and, and every year playing SEC competition. And let's face it, Kentucky's not getting blue-chip offensive linemen. 
and they didn't have a lot of weapons there. He was the guy and was still able to, you know, goes for, goes for 165 yards last year against Mississippi State, which had three guys, three defensive guys drafted in the first round. Uh, in the, in the bowl game against Penn State, 145 yards or whatever it was, uh, against the, the Nittany Lions in that bowl game. I mean, this is a guy that is produced against big time programs, and I expect him to, uh, to really be the guy that, uh, I think he'll be the, he'll get, be a guy that gets 40 to 50 carries in the preseason, and I think Steeler fans are really going to like what they see of him. Of the remaining picks, who's the sleeper? Who's going to help out, uh, the soonest? Cause when I see a guy like a 6A tight end, I know he's a project. I know he ain't going to be out there much. So who, who could have a breakthrough sooner and not later? Well, I, I think Isaiah Bugs probably has the easiest path to make the team uh, because they have a need there is that for that sixth defensive lineman. And, hey, let's face it, he just has to show a pulse to beat out Daniel McCullers uh, for, for a spot. Uh, unfortunately for them, they couldn't find anybody with a pulse last year to do that. Uh, but maybe Bugs can be that guy. But I think, you know, if you look at Sutton Smith and Ulysses Gilbert, um, these are two speedy linebackers. I think Gilbert in particular, I mean, he's a sub-4-5 inside linebacker. He screams special teams to me, and they have some openings there, you know, at inside linebacker that I think he could be the guy that makes this, this roster as a special teams ace, a special teams demon. And we all know from last year they need some guys like that to run down and cover kicks and, and, and be the guys who blow things up down there. Maybe I'm a cockeyed optimist still, but I think the offense is going to be better without A.B. There aren't any agendas to serve, and it seems like Ben's going to have a multitude of weapons. There's going to be legitimate variety. There is variety for sure, and I know people were looking when when they drafted Deontay Johnson and said, well, Ben wants a big receiver. Well, Dante Moncrief 6'2", and Juju 6'1". I mean, these guys are bigger-bodied wide receivers, so I, I don't see that necessarily being a problem. I think Deontay Johnson gives them a bigger player to play in the slot as opposed to putting, you know, five foot eight Ryan Switzer in there and throwing the ball to him. So, you know, I, I think they do have a variety of weapons. I really like Vance McDonald at tight end. Uh, I think he can be a, a much bigger part of this offense. We've seen him be physical, and he's fast and can do a lot of the things that, that Heath Miller did when he was in his prime. So I think they can be a good offense. Uh, they obviously have a great offensive line coming back. And maybe they'll run the ball a little bit more than they did last year, which which I think a lot of fans would, would enjoy. Uh, it, it can't be 68% passing like it was last year. If they cut that down to, let's say, 62%, I think they'll be a much more effective and much more difficult offense to uh, to defend. Dale, great stuff as always. I appreciate the insight. All right. Thanks, Mark. That's Dale Ollie from DKPittsburghSports.com. I think maybe he got fired too. I'm Mark Madden. It's time to ask Mark anything. Dial 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. It's a rare chance for you to have a brush with greatness. Make the most of it. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Say, here's another great name from the past. The X at 105.9. Time not to ask Mark anything. Brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. If you'd like to ask Mark anything, dial 412-333-WXDX. That number again, 412 412- 333-WXDX. Let's go to Dave in Saxonburg. Dave, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, what up? What's going on? Hey, uh, Matt Cullen, your opinion if he's a Hall of Famer. You really think that's even a remote possibility? I just I just think the Iron Man, the, the, the long longevity there, I think if you look at 
There's absolutely makes- zero chance of that happening. Really? Okay. Bro, he's a, he's, he's a bottom six. Can you name any other bottom sixes in the Hall of Fame? Well, that's what yeah, that's what I didn't that's what I didn't know. Those, those guys that played all those. Games. It's not the Hall of Very Good. Well, actually, in a lot of cases, in a lot of sports, it is rock and roll too. It is not the Hall of Hey, hung in there for a long time, and your stats look inflated because of it. And, and his stats don't even look all that inflated because of it. I give Mac credit for a lengthy career, and he won three cups, and his career should be celebrated. Just not on Young Street in Toronto. Well, this is the worst ass mark anything ever. No calls. Maybe all the people I told to F off and not listen have F'd off and not listened. Which is fine. I can live with that. Maybe today's my last day. I'll go to Philly to see White Snake and never come back. I'll either perish or the show will be canceled. Or maybe I'll choke to death as I just was... Starting to do there. Um, by the way, there's a story. Nathan McKinnon credits Sidney Crosby's guidance as being integral to his evolution as a player. In fact, it was a text from Crosby on the opening night of the playoffs that inspired McKinnon to dominate the postseason. Uh, Nathan's having a good postseason. I think that uh, well, there's a long way to go before Colorado truly gets anywhere, but they're tied with San Jose one game apiece. Heading to Denver for game three. I think that's tonight. And uh, who knows what could happen. I think Nathan McKinnon is on that short list of players in the discussion for NHL's best player. 412-333-9939. Let's go to Sean. Sean, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. I know you uh, kind of touched up on this earlier in the show about certain fans that have... uh certain feelings towards uh, certain players. Um, I just want to get your opinion on uh, fans that have um, strong attachments to players, not based on their performance, but based on their appearance, like their looks. And Now, can you name an example of that? Um, I see a lot of people that have uh, grown fond of, that, like, say, Cole Tucker based on his appearance. And ever since he got called up, like, they... Cole Tucker's a charismatic kid who drips enthusiasm. I don't know if they're, you know, sexually desirous of him, if that's what you're implying. Well, I mean, there's some there like that, and then it goes the same way with Adam Frazier, for example, as well. Like, there are people that, like, you'll see some people on Buddy, what are you trying to tell us? I'm just saying there's some people that are on, like, Twitter that have some weird, like, mental state. It's not weird. It's natural. It's all around us. Thank you for the call. Let's go uh, to TJ in Oakland. TJ, uh, you're talking to Double M. Hey, hey, Mark, I was just curious. When's the last time you got to hang out with Tommy Rich and have some beer and chicken? How'd you know about beer and chicken? Did I say <laughs> that on the air once? You said, I think you say bar and chicken or something. Let's go get some bar and chicken. <laughs> that when WCW, I haven't seen Tommy since uh, we worked together. Great guy, though. Like Tommy a great deal. And not a Hall of Fame-level wrestler, but... Uh, you know, a, a very briefly, an NWA world champion when that meant something and a and a real good guy. Let's get some bar and chicken. Let's go to John in Bridgeville. John, ask Mark anything. Hey, real quick, I caught a thing on the, on one of the sports channels the other day about the soccer game that um, they let the other team score, ended up going into a brawl. Did you, what, what was that about? 
Uh, the way I, I see it, that was Leeds and Aston Villa. Uh, that's Ole Mata's favorite team. They're fighting for playoff spots uh, for promotion in the English Championship. That's the AAA League. And, okay. uh, and an Aston Villa player got hurt. And when uh, a player gets hurt, it's considered gentlemanly to kick the ball out of bounds till the player is treated. But there's no obligation to do that. So Leeds uh, did kind of dirty. They fake kicking the ball out. Then they kicked it downfield and scored. Uh, okay. Okay. So Villa was bitching so much that the Leeds manager said, you know what, F you. And he instructed his team to allow Villa to score, which I think is dumb. I think you play the whistle. That's one of the first things you're taught in any sport. But they let Villa score a goal, and the game ended up tied 1-1. It was silly. It was every bit as silly as we just sounded discussing. Silly. Let's go to uh, Sean and Elizabeth. Sean, ask Mark anything. Hey, Double M, what's going on? Hey, man, what up? Hey, I was calling to see uh, how many hours do you work a week, including everything, like including everything, including like, like my including my writing and my appearances and stuff like that. Yeah, everything. I'm thinking like sixty hours a week. Uh, I would say it tops out at 65 or 70. Okay. Uh, I think an average week is probably 55 to 60. No, in 70s okay. too. I'd say it tops out at 65. An average week is 55 to 60. Okay. I thought you were busier after you left work because you're always on the move, man. I am because what else do I have? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that because I'm lonely and imagine me how miserable I am. Imagine no, being, no, no. imagine knowing you can never be the best at sports radio in this town. That's what people should imagine, uh, unless you're uh, me, and that's reality. Uh, but yeah, but you're great. I am great. Thank you for saying so. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, I'd say fifty five to sixty on average. Oh, ESPN the magazine's shutting down the print version. That's good. It sucks. Let's go to uh, Jeff and Jeanette. Jeff, ask Mark anything. Oh, hey Mark, thanks for taking my call. Thank you. What up? Quick question for you, Mark, hockey-related. Uh, Besides after a goal being scored and at the beginning of a period, is there another situation when the face-off comes back to center ice? If the whistle is blown inadvertently, it is dropped at center ice, like a referee's mistake? Oh, I did not know that. Thank you. I was yeah, driving yeah. myself nuts. Yeah, and uh, if a puck gets shot out of play, it's supposed to go to the nearest dot. Okay. Because it used to be that if a puck went out of play – in the neutral zone, the puck okay. would be dropped where the puck was shot out from, unless yeah. it was unless it was outside the dots, in which case it went to a dot. But okay. now all drops are on dots, so sometimes oh, there'll oh. be a puck get shot out right near the center circle, and the puck will get dropped at the center dot. But that's very very rarely. Usually they they finagle it to a a, a neutral zone dot by the blue lines. Let's go to Tony in Route Fifty One. Tony, ask Mark anything. Double M, good day. I said good day. I was wondering, uh, what's your favorite kind of cheese? Okay, now I'm going to have to ask you to uh, specify. Do you mean sliced? Do you mean in those processed sticks and snacks? Do you mean shredded? Do you mean grated? Uh, What's your definition? What do you mean? We will go sliced for sandwich use. Okay, what what is the sandwich composed of? Oh, uh, let's go with burger. I rarely put cheese on a burger. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time I. Uh, what cheese did they put on at Wendy's? Is that is that American? 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, see, that's the only time I eat get cheese on the burgers at Wendy's. I get, okay. I get, I get blue cheese on burgers. My my favorite sliced cheese to put on a sandwich is cheddar with roast beef and Swiss with turkey. Good call. You know, and I I, I dabble in provolone too. I'm a cheese guy. Uh, let's go to Kevin in Cannonsburg. Kevin, ask Mark anything. Hey, Double M, how you doing tonight? What's up? Hey, I was just uh, getting back to Gino. I was wondering if you think he might be past his prime. You think he's done? I don't think he's done. I think he is past his prime. I think Sid's past his prime in terms of productivity. I don't think Sid's ever going to get like a buck twenty again. But Sid's improved his game in other ways to, to the point where I can say definitely that this was one of his best seasons ever, and he's still in his prime. Um, hmm. Gino could still be in his prime. He has to want to adjust his game to be in his prime, though, and I'm not sure he does. I see. And just one quick follow-up. Um, you ever think about doing a show on food at all? No. What? There's no market for that. Plus, I'd be even fatter. And finally, let's go to Rich in the car. Rich, ask Mark Anion. Hey, Mark. Um, why do you not like the handshake at the end of, uh, like, playoff hockey games? You mean the end of a series? End of a series, yeah. I'm not sure I recall having said that. Oh, I always thought you kind of referred to it as being, like, disingenuous in a way. Well, it is disingenuous. That doesn't mean I don't like it. But don't think it's disingenuous when guys try to beat their brains out for seven games and, and all the animosity that crops up because of that, and then they shake hands? I, I would think that, but, but when I see them tap each other on the shoulders and shake hands and stuff like that, that's what makes me think it's real. Yeah, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. I mean, I, I it, it's one of those things I don't care about one way or the other. There's a lot of stuff in sports that wastes time, and that might be one of them. But if they want to do it, that's a moment that belongs to the players. Okay, now I will say this. Something that aggravates me, whenever a guy scores a goal and the whole line skates to the bench and high-fives, everybody in the bench. Tap the gloves. Oh, does that suck? Playoff beards, they suck. Playoff beards are supposed to be good luck. How come 15 to the 16 teams that grow playoff beards lose? Well, thank God that's over. I'll be back Thursday. I'm not even sure who's in tomorrow. Nobody here is. See you later. Somebody will be on 105.9. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.